Smartcast. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's nine forty. Hey, that was a good. Bad, that was a good episode. We were we were on our yeah, game tonight. We have earned. I don't know if I'm allowed to give us five stars myself, but that was a good one. I was. You know what? I think I think our podcast is better than Ted Cruz's. I mean, I'm just gonna <laughs> say that. I know we shouldn't try to gloat, but. By the way, what we really need to do is get Ted Cruz on here for 2006. I really want to know what his favorite song is. Actually, you know, we should do the year that he went to Cancun. Maybe he's picked like a Mexican number. (laughs) I got to tell you, like, I think our chances of getting Ted Cruz on this podcast are not 0%. Oh, my God. Don't seriously, don't will that into existence. I will not be on a podcast. He loves to stir up shit, though. He loves it. He would love to get on here and just tee us up. 50 years of music with 50 year old white guys. Fellas, let's go. Great to see you all. Welcome to Reunited and it feels good. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And look at the the sun shining off of Jeff's shoulder in this video. I got a bad uh, angle. Both of you guys are backlit. I mean, Jeff's got the summit. And Tim, you've got like a weird lamp, <laughs> no, and the asbestos is really looking very aglow. <laughs> really, did you put a lamp in the asbestos ceiling? There's a real shine off the asbestos. <laughs> it's got a nice glow. Well, welcome to 50 Years of Music with 50 Year Old White Guys on the Electricast Podcast Network. Um, ben Martin, you're back stateside. I am. Made it back home. Awesome. Went and picked up. Uh, our other daughter, Georgia, in Atlanta and brought her back here. So she's home for spring break. So everything's going great. And awesome. on a scale of one to 10, 10 being excellent, what are you going to give Denmark? Oh, yeah, seven or eight. Denmark is amazing. Super nice. I mean, like it's held down by the weather. You just have to be frank oh, about the weather. But everything else there is really nice. There's probably like an ocean breeze that keeps things uh, chill as well. Yeah, that must be it. It must be the ocean breeze. <laughs> that must be it, Tim. You put your finger on it. Um, oh, but Jeff, dude, uh, I oh. went for a run in the woods in Denmark. Oh. And you go by the bogs and the trees and stuff. And I mean, it's like old school Tolkien shit. Like, it, I was just like, <laughs> oh, it's amazing. That's awesome. Did you run into Tom Bombadil? Was he singing it a little song? It was exactly like that, for sure. <laughs> Wait, now you got to explain the reference because I'm lost. You don't remember Tom Bombadil from The Fellowship of the Ring? He's one of the characters that didn't make the cut in the movie because they run into him and he sings like eight songs and they drink mead for like 70 pages. Oh, he saves them from a tree too. And then then, then on they go to the adventure. I was always the moment when dad made me read The Lord of the Rings. Tom Bombadil was like, are you you sure about this? This is, a very, this is a very thick book with a lot of elfin poetry. Oh, dude, and I'm sad to report, <laughs> I read that book to my daughters multiple times, and you're right, Tom Bombadil is a backbreaker. He's a really cell. Yeah. Good call by Peter Jackson. Well, uh, we've got so much to do. I'm so excited about 2005. I've got a, I've got a pick. You know, you, you know, sometimes I have a controversial pick, but I, I lean into it, and I embrace it, and I'm excited yeah. about it. Yeah. Yes, we know about I, that. I, I don't know about my pick for 2005, and oh, yet I'm exciting. forward with them, and I'm really interested to see what you all think of this particular band, um, which leads us to our lead-in, Flannery, little Flannery, eighth grader, my daughter. We're driving along and listening to Beverly Hills by Weezer. And she's Is that on to- purpose or by accident? That was on purpose. Okay. It was on the radio. I'm a radio guy. And she's like trying to guess who it is. And I thought one of her guesses was pretty good. She's like, is this the cars? Because that's kind of a weird guitar. And I'm like, go girl. No. So I'm like, it's Weezer. She's like, well, I've never heard of them. I'm like, ah, kind of late 90s, early 2000s. 
And she's like, is that the era of bands? And I'm like, excuse me? And she's like, you know, is it, is it like from 1970 to 2000? Is that the era of bands? Oh, that's pretty awesome. And I'm that like, really is. That's deep. And I was like, what? what do you, first of all, like basically she's saying uh, the, the relevant portion of my lifetime is like the era <laughs> of bands. And now we're done with bands. She's like, well, there aren't really bands nowadays. Uh, Jeff Simons, solo artist. Uh, what are your thoughts? Only, on by, only by choice, only because I can't afford to have a band all the time who <laughs> will hang out with me. Oh, that's really, a, I have to think about that for a minute. Flannery is a genius. That's great. So the I love that. And the band. other thing that's great is she doesn't know I also know this, love but... that you misattribute Weezer's great. I mean, Weezer's 94 to 98 that they're good. And then they pretty much suck from 2000 onward. Well, Have you heard their new up, record? But... Have you heard the EP that Weezer put out secretly this week? No. Oh, this week? Yeah. Oh. They put like, they're trying to be cool and like secret drop. Like no offense to big Weezer fans, but woof. Uh-oh. It is uh -oh. not good. Anyway, all right, sorry. Ben, what were you going to say? So, yeah, so all of the biggest stars of the 50s are not in bands. Just yep. pause for a second and get that. Like, the, yeah. unless you want to call him Buddy Holly as a band, like, it's all individuals. Sure. And then the Beatles change everything. Then you get this weird transition, and then all of a sudden it's bands. And then this is right. I mean, basically, when hip hop became king, it's like, that was it. Yeah. Yeah. And I, and I think, too, like, so much of her music comes from TikTok. And yep. a, a lot of her TikTok is just dudes in their houses or women in their houses, like making sounds and putting them together. And it, it, that's not a band. Bands. Again, that's such a 50 year old grandpa take. It's such a great take. <laughs> You're the worst. Oh, like, I love it. Hey, I, I could tell there was a guy and he was making noises. It wasn't <laughs> music as far as I could tell. She showed me this video of this dude who like flicks on and off the light switch. And then he's like, oh, and that's, and that's his big hit light switch or switch off or turn light on or something. I got to get her down here. Turn light on is probably not the title. <laughs> of the big hit oh, but you i like that on, you turn me on like a light switch that's what it is you turn uh, me on like a let's light switch. just let's just move right on um let's go to 2005's <laughs> grammy winner i mean i feel like this grammy winner has passed me by as well because i was i was kind of shocked at here we go in 2005 it's the grammy winner how to dismantle an atomic bomb by you too A Grammy before this? I have no idea, but I'm guessing no. This is I like the Den no. it's the yeah. Denzel Training Day Oscar because they missed the Joshua Tree. Is my guess on this record? Because because it's also, I mean, just to be frank about Charles. it, and not to hurt you two's feelings, but this is a retroact by this time. Like, yeah, this is, like seriously, the the Grammy people are like, oh, that that sounds good in comparison to the other crap that came out this year. You know what I mean? <laughs> uh, did you not think this was a good year? Oh, no, I thought this year was great. But I mean, the Grammy okay. people didn't think it was great. Right. Clearly. Like, they, I, I, like th this record is fine. What 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 number like what ranking in terms of U2 records would you put this? Oh, it's like seventh or eighth. Right. Right. Right, right in the right. middle. There's it's a couple not, of good songs on this. I mean, there's actually quite a few good songs. And as as uh, as U2 records go start to finish, it's better than a lot of them. But it's got some, you know, it's got some filler and and uh I like it better than the one beforehand that everybody plots all over that all that you can't leave behind or whatever that right. record was called. I like this record more, huh? especially now. I don't know if I liked it more in the moment, but this record's much more of an uptick or uplift. It's little, it's got a little buzz to it. It's a little edgier than the other one. What's the one that came on the uh, iPod songs of innocence. What year was that? 
2016, I think, something like that. No, it's not. No, that it's new. earlier than that. But 2014. Was... I'll have to check because that was one where there was a lot of backlash from my students over that idea. Like, what is this band on my iPod? I want. Them I still, all. I to this day, I am bewildered by everyone being so bent out of shape by that. But right. 2014 was that record. Okay. And 2017 was Songs of Experience which was the outtakes from Songs of Innocence and actually a better record. <laughs> well, that's interesting. That's going to go along with, um, with my pick and, and how one picks the songs that go on their records. Um, all right, 2005, George W. Bush begins his second term. Is there anything in particular that you associate with his second term? He won on a walk. He's the last Republican to actually win a majority of America. There you go. And I remember people were, you know, they were super mad about the Bush versus Gore thing. And then uh -huh. when that election was happening, like the people that I knew in New York were like, well, well surely. And I was like, I don't know. Like, I live in Tennessee. This, <laughs> this is not looking good. Uh huh. And he won. Yeah. I mean, he won on a walk. He really, he just whipped up. I never met. felt like Kerry had much of a chance. I mean, whole, that whole fall, I was like, well, Hold on, I came down to Ohio. If Kerry had won Ohio, he I never felt like I just that whole summer I was like, this guy's getting reelected. Like they like getting the election from the Supreme Court legitimized him. I was like, well, that was a second election as far as everybody was concerned. Like he he lost and then he won. And then it was like, okay, well, we better elect him again so that it's not weird that we had a president who actually lost to No, I president. think that's unfair. I think that people thought I did a good job. I think people thought I did it. The people on this podcast maybe didn't, but I mean, like the the it, you are what your record. Also, Kerry was a bad candidate. Oh, I thought dude, Kerry, the bad I wonder, candidate. I wonder. I mean, I voted for him, but I I voted for him with my with my nose closed. I mean, oh my god, dude! When candidate. he arrived at Pat Stakes in Philadelphia, which I don't know if you know is a swing yeah. state, oh, right? and they were like, yeah. "You want it with Wiz or without Wiz?" And he was like, "Do you have provolone?" I was like, "Just yeah. shoot me now." Just shoot me in the freaking eyeball right <laughs> no, now. Yeah. Like, how hard is it to say wit Wiz? Like they gave you two options. You don't have to ask a further question. Take yep. take one of the options. That's <laughs> oh man. Uh, well, I always associated second term with uh, Hurricane Katrina. Oh yeah, uh, just a devastating. Bush doesn't like black people. I never right. seen. I, I've never seen a fellow celebrity more uncomfortable standing next to a celebrity than, than Mike Myers standing Oof. next to Kanye. And that one, that was unbelievable. That's I'll never Myers forget. I, I'll did never not know how to move that. forward. Oh, yeah. he looks so like, upset. Ha, ha 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 ha. And then he read that bullshit cue card and Kanye tripled down on uh on Wayne's face. Oh, it was so great. So uh devastating uh hurricane. 240 people die in Mississippi, 1600 die in New Orleans. Um, have either of you been back to New Orleans since Hurricane Katrina? Yes, I have. I've been back three times. It's fantastic. It's strong awesome. recommend. So yeah. strong recommend to all of our listeners. Go to New Orleans. Uh, great, great museum on Katrina. And like you get to learn all sorts of uh, geological um, quirks about that particular area of our country. But also the music just still kicks butt in New Orleans. Great music, great food, good times. Uh, favorite restaurant and there? easy to translate for the kids like we, I brought, we yeah. brought our daughters when they were little and then they were teenagers and i mean they, they just hit each time just yeah. fantastic you throw those sugary uh fried dough things at them they're fine actually it works for me as well actually <laughs> i was gonna say who, who with whom does that not work i love that um thing. all right uh prince charles marries camilla parker bowles either of you watch the crown yep by accident, Suze was really into it. And I kept like crossing through the living room and ending up watching the last 25 minutes of episodes. And I found it more and more exciting to watch as it got more and more modern. Yeah. Like, and so, and what do you think of the dude playing Prince Charles? I thought he was terrific. So great. Perfect. By I watched. Way, I was evicted from watching The Crown. Uh, because <laughs> India loved it. And I would come in and I would just be like, what the hell is this? And I'd just start carping and she'd be like, get the hell out of this room. Like nobody invited you to come here. I was literally kicked out. You know what show is like that in my house is Outlander. 
Suze is a big. Olivia also likes Outlander. And Suze is a big Outlander. Of the stupid crowd. Oh my God, Outlander is just like like sexy boys staring at the camera. And as far <laughs> as I can tell, that's like twenty four no, minutes. No, there's of magic it. and swords too. Come yes, on, don't, don't undersell it. <laughs> but every time I walk in, it's that sexy boy like looking at the camera, and I'm like always oh, oh, looking at you, Suze. You just oh, get out. No. Get the fuck out. <laughs> you guys get kicked out. That's terrible. We deserve uh, it. And my oh, and, I totally deserve it. Yeah. I would kick myself out. And I was bad. I'm trying to be honest, Tim. It's like trying to get kicked out of detention. I'm trying to be such a bad person in detention that they're like, just go. And it works. <laughs> it works every time. I love it. All right. Um Ellen Johnson Sirleaf is elected president of an African country. She's the first woman ever elected president of an African country. I put it to the two of you, which African country in 2005 elected a woman president? This show, this podcast continues to humiliate me. It is not Cameroon. Jeff, do we have a guess? I'm playing Ben Barton's version of uh, who died. I'm not... I want to. I, I might not even name an African country. We've established it, what a lunkhead I am. How about Tunisia? It is Liberia. Oh, Liberia elects Ellen Johnson Sirleaf. Um, I guess they don't count Cleopatra. She wasn't elected, man. Are you no. sure? I think. Pretty sure. Okay. All right. You you can ask the people who lived underneath her. I feel confident <laughs> they were not electing her. <laughs> By the way, I mean, not to be mean, but Liberia goes through a, I know, they go through a brutal, brutal, horrible civil war years later. Presumably not her fault, but I mean, it didn't work out. Let's hope so. Yeah. Um, Jeff Simons, Redemption Time. Who is Mark Felt? Mark Felt was Deep Throat. He's the uh, Woodward and Bernstein's insider uh, tip guy who uh leads them through the watergate break-in and the uh resultant cover-up that brings down the nixon administration excellent excellent work there Wait, and hold on before we go on yeah what was his actual job he was he, the, um was, sec, second in command at the fbi that's what i thought i thought he was the undersecretary of the fbi yeah if he knew how many people knew that's see that is the great question isn't because it he's not I mean, with like the, the the speculation was it was like John Dean, you know what I mean? Right. Like yeah, right. a person directly on the inside. But then they named this guy, and I was like, I've never heard of this fucking guy. And and he was like a sub a sub person with a sub person. Right. Like right. there must have been thirty five people who knew. Yeah, maybe even more. Like it's it really, actually a little bit disturbing that there's just one deep throat when you actually yeah. get down to it. I know. Yeah. I totally agree. I agree. Thank goodness, though. I mean, let, I mean, like we have a Ron Contra ten years later, which is a million times worse, and and implicates an even bigger pool of people, and you know, nobody that that did not stain those uh, reputations in the same way. But to quote Jeff Simons, "Thank goodness we learned our lesson." Yeah, I know. As a country, and haven't. That's the one of the best things about this trip down memory lane that you provide, Tim. Is I'm just reminded. <laughs> of how often and <laughs> successfully we learn from our errors. All right. Well, we since we're professionals now and we have ad breaks. Yeah. I've decided that the ad break should bump up against a question. And that question then lingers in the minds of the listeners. Oh, dude, you are. Isn't this a whole surely will also level. linger in my mind. Well, right. Nice. But then we can cut all the dead space that this question will uh, oh, create. Wow. You're going to cut dead space from my brain. What's going to be left? That's not OK, Timmy. <laughs> so can, I'm can, you use, can you use the wait when you when yeah. you uh, do that? Can you say we'll be right back right before they ad okay. break? I, I want be- you to do like do the do the whisper. We'll be right back for us. <laughs> Sweaty balls. Yeah. Um, so I'm driving back from Columbia, South Carolina with Martha. We had a volleyball tournament. Her team lost in the championship. I don't want to, I don't want to break that down right now with the two of you. Um, but on the drive, there's some sort of uh pre-recorded program on Sunday night, and they start talking about the top five most successful duos of the 80s. And so I start cranking out guesses i'm a little disappointed in how i did the top five duos of the 1980s you're not looking right now are you jeff no okay good so i asked the two of you and thus our listeners 
who are the top five most successful duos of the 1980s. We'll be right back. Goosebumps. Goosebumps from that. (laughs) Okay. How much time? Let me go first. Definitely let me go first. Yeah, Yeah, go ahead. You go first. Because I have one guess. Yes. (laughs) Hall and Oates. Excellent. Hall and Oates is right. It's definitely right. Number one with a bullet, the most successful duo of the 80s is Hall and Oates. I was so uh, upset they went with um, Say It Isn't So as the song that they played with that. I was like, ah. That is really not their signature tune. All right. That's for sure. Jeff Simons, let's play it like categories. We'll go to Wham. Wham is number two, I'm guessing. Wham is number three. Ah, They count? You're allowed to count band as a duo. They're a duo. They're a duo. George okay. Michael and Andrew Ridgely. Well, good. Then I have another guess. Okay, go. Do the Eurythmics count as a duo? Because yes, that would be my do. next guess. So, number one was Hall and Oates. Eurythmics was number two. Wham was number three. I got number uh, five. I did not get number four. Number four is Tears for Fears. Number five is Tears for Fears. <laughs> Excellent. Yeah. That was good well done, work, Jeff. Jeff for sure. And number four is. Uh, the Pet Shop Boys. Holy crap, Jeff Simons. <laughs> wow. Wow. We awesome. Have, Timmy, we <laughs> should retire because there's an actual music expert with us. <laughs> I mean, my daughter was like, would Ben and Jeff get this? I'm like, no, because this is a radio question. They did not. They would not listen to Pet Shop Boys. But oh, and girls. I definitely. I listened to Pet Shop Boys in my time. Yes. And girls. Can we I, name other significant uh, 80s duos while we're at it? It was a great decade for duos, the 80s. Well, I, I wanted to play with Salt and Pepper, but they're a trio. Cinderella. No, but we got, I'm talking outside music. You've got, well, first of all, you got Eric B and Rakim. That was the other okay. duo that came up, but I figured they didn't sell any records. But it's the, it's the year of Turner and Hooch. It's the decade uh-huh. of Turner and Hooch. Crockett and Tubbs. Oh, Crockett and Tubbs. Hans and Franz. (laughs) Want to pump you up? Thelma and Louise. By the way, am I the only person who says, hear me now, believe me later, all the time? (laughs) Love that. Hear me now, believe me later. Hear me now, believe me later. So good. Uh, All right. We will now go to 2005's most successful selling album the number one album of 2005 this also shocked me but i guess we can't call it a retro act if it was the number one selling album no here we go this is the biggest hit off that record i did i had to look it up to make sure i picked the right song but here it is it's the number one album the emancipation of mimi by mariah carey album this year is that true yeah. mariah carey the emancipation, emancipation. of mimi <laughs> i shared my thoughts i mean i'm not like i don't have a virulent negative reaction but okay doesn't, doesn't do much for me yeah me too i i you know i my visceral reaction of that is chaperoning high school dances that song oh, got played good. a lot yeah. as the last slow dance of the night and it has like that particular track the subwoofer is so distracting. Like they hadn't really figured out how to get that deep bass sound in a way that really matched. It's just like, 
<laughs> really oh, by un- the way, I totally disagree. When I was listening to it, I was like, there's one thing I like here. It's that deep noise it's that's boom. working for me. I want it to be a little That's deeper. the best thing that happened. Deeper and like, you know, like, <laughs> this is like, it's <laughs> <laughs> just not doing it for Wait, me. Wait, now, can you play it again just so I can focus on the bass? Go ahead. Yes, you can. Hold on a second. I'll give you a little more of that, of that <laughs> sound. Here we go. <laughs> I love it. Doo-doo. That makes I want it to really be happy. like, I want it to like fade out. <laughs> no you know, way. Like, Dude, it's it's like uh, running with the devil. Doo-doo. Doo-doo. <laughs> it makes you really happy. Just like it. Awesome. Oh, I love it. All right. Well, I wanted to get to some personal news uh, on the podcast. Uh, ben Barton, you put out a book. Indeed. The name of the book is what? The credentialed court. How's it going so far? What, what's the what's the reaction? I, I I have to admit I haven't bought it yet, but I am planning planning you to buy it. You are fine, and Timmy, I'll, I'll send you a free one, man. No, uh, no yeah, it's it's been going it's been going well. Uh, okay. I am num- uh, last week I was number one in the subcategory of courts legal, which <laughs> by the way I'm I'm here to take that. You know, in Amazon okay. they give you the subcategories for a reason. Absolutely right. Absolutely, music history podcast. And, uh, Not music on- podcast. I was on an NPR show called On Point today. I'm going to be on C-SPAN tomorrow. I'm oh. doing a bunch of local radio hits. So you do C-SPAN? Indeed. And dude, by a- the way, if, if you write my kind of book, when you get to C-SPAN, that's like the Hall of Fame right there. Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah. Are you? Is that a live hit? I think it's going to be recorded. I don't know the answer to that, but I know I'm on it tomorrow morning. Uh, it'd be interesting how many of our listeners out there think that you should plug the podcast as you plug your book. You should definitely not plug the podcast <laughs> when you do your awesome book. Inside the Cloistered Elite World of American Justice. Speaking of cloistered elite worlds, I'm also on this killer well, podcast. Hold on, hold on. There was a there's a, uh, a Supreme Court nominee that went before the Senate committee today. Yeah, and tomorrow or the next day, totally. Excellent. And... Um, she seems great and uh, smart and uh, credentialed. And Ted Cruz, in his question, plugged his own podcast. He's like, you know, on my podcast a couple of years ago, I had a liberal guest and he went blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, is that, is that a thing that actually happened? That actually really? happened. This is why oh, we have Dude, the title. By the way, you're comparing us to Ted Cruz and you're a wow. monster. <laughs> you're a monster, Timmy. You owe us an apology and I won't have it. I'm going to freaking stop recording this podcast based solely on the fact that Ted Cruz also has a podcast. 50 year old white men not only start podcasts, they drop, they drop the uh, reference to their podcast uh, wherever they can, whenever they can. Uh, good stuff. All right. Well, I'm glad that hurt. I'm, I'm like, I'm all flush with discomfort from that comparison. I don't know how I feel. <laughs> Well, let's go to your life and your gig. How was the gig? Um, it was not covered by NPR or C-SPAN, but okay. we had a good time. We had a good time. It was a four-band bill. Um, this band, North by North from Chicago, uh, is the real deal. They were they were a hot shit duo. They were a duo, not unlike yeah. Hollow Notes, except um, rocking and rolling. Okay. Um, and a bunch of my friends came out. We had a great time in local couple of other local acts in the bill with me the lollygaggers and scorpio moon it was totally fun well you so. said you were starting with that that song that was a little bit of a a nod to the hold steady yes right or and, our, uh, or a complete and utter ripoff uh homage to the hold no steady, no yes. just but also d- didn't you have situate in mind didn't you tell me that once when you wrote that it's in the first uh it's in the first line of the song what's it make, making fun of uh situate yeah <laughs> The first line is Johnny was a kid who grew up in situate. He had a million one-liners and a habit for barbiturates. Oh, do oh. oh. you nailed that, man? That's oh, a- it's not much that rhymes with situate. So no, <laughs> good stuff. Oh, I'm so excited for you guys. It was fun. Yeah, you know, we talk about Ben's book. We talk about Jeff's music career. What you got going on, baby? What's what's in what's happening with the screenplays? I'm glad you asked. One of my screenplays was read 
by a producer and she contacted me so we could have a Zoom meeting. Oh, I love it. And we had a Zoom meeting to talk about my screenplay. And at the end of the meeting, she said, okay, so we'll see what happens. Ooh. There we go. That's good. Huh? That's not, that's not a no. No, it's not. We'll see what happens. That's I mean, amazing, Timmy. Well done. There's some truth to that because we will. I think that's <laughs> what the first two or three people I asked at the prom said. <laughs> that's exciting. That's so good. Which one? Uh, the O'Hare Family Shit Show, the, uh, the, the family reunion set in Ireland. Nice. I know. So exciting. Hey, the fact that someone read it, done and done. That's all I need. Uh, all right. That is all I got for 2005. That means it is time for our three albums. Our three albums. Who goes first? Yeah. That's my turn. Let's go, Jeff. Okay. Oh, before I go to 2005, Twitter was abuzz with Dungeon talk all week, which was fun, um, which Tim accidentally labeled as some kind of death metal band, which is just cracking me up to no end. Metal. Anyway, um, I made a Dungeon playlist. So uh, Nina and other folks what? were like, where do I go next? If you go to Jeff Simons on Spotify, oh the first God. playlist after my own music is called Dungeon with three exclamation points. <laughs> And it's a 10 song, all killer, no filler, 45 minute dungeon mix. So get in there, people. Wow. Get in there and get, get involved. Okay. You could also check yourself into a mental institution. You can That's do that. That's another too. option. Either one. You. Either one. Mine's much cheaper. Um, all right. So this, this year, I'm going with a record I really, really loved so much. I still really love it. Um, it's the debut. Uh, major label release by this band. You know, a lot of um, this doesn't happen as much anymore, but it used to be what bands would do in the era of bands, Flannery, is you'd you'd make a demo tape and then usually like a local independent or a smaller independent label would, would make a deal with you and put out your record. And then there was this big moment where you jumped to a major label. And for some people, that was the big sellout moment. And for other people, it's like, oh, I finally had this big audience. Like almost every great band of the 80s, at least American bands, start on a small independent label, make three or four records, and then jump to the major. So this band, um, I love the Wikipedia page for this band so much. It starts with um, these guys, these two guys who are friends from high school. One was working as a personal assistant. And the other was working as like a checkout clerk. And they were like grinding through four or five bands together. And they got two more friends. And one of them bought a Juno 6 keyboard at a yard sale. And then they had a fight of who would learn how to play it oh so they God. could have a keyboard in the band. That's brilliant. And it changes everything. The guy learns how to play keyboard with his right hand, but they write all the little riffs on it. <laughs> um, they make a demo tape and they get signed to Sub Pop, which is a really significant uh, label out of Seattle, Washington. And they make a debut record, which gets all kinds of press. Pitchfork loves it. They get all this buzz. They make an immediate jump to the major and they make this record, which I think is their best record. But of course they get the, they get the charges of sellout, blah, 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 whatever. <laughs> but um, this is a quartet. Um, they are, they are very throwback in a lot of ways. There's a lot of late seventies punk and new wave in this band, which is partly why I love it so much. But it's got 20, it's got like that 2005 sound. It's super compressed. It's loud as hell, but not in a way that really hurts my ears. Like I really like the sound of this, uh, this record a lot. So it's, it's got all that kind of retro throwaway, like cheap, sh shitty sounding keyboards, but it's also got a lot of great guitar. It's got a lot of great singing. This record is so chock-a-block with good songs. Like I really was looking. I could pick one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight songs off this wow. record to be the oh. one that I would want to play. But I'm going to play the big hit because uh, I don't want to be too cantankerous. The name of this band from, from British Columbia is Hot 
Hot Heat. This is from the record Elevator, which is not the one that when you look up this band, everyone wants you to listen to Make Up the Breakdown, which is the first one. Also really good. But this record's a little little uh, more fun than that first one. And I was ready to ride or die for this band forever. And then I had the really unfortunate experience of seeing them live. This is huh. one of the most disappointing live shows I've ever been to. Oh, no. I showed up at the Fillmore like ready to buy a t-shirt and buy a hat and walk around and be a, you know, a, a billboard for this band. And um, they had, a, I don't know if it was an off night or not, but they, they actually royally sucked. Like oh, they turned a 1,000. Wow, is that true? They turned a 1,000 person crowd into a 200 person crowd over the course of 45 minutes. Like, like cause they, they were disinterested? Drum, drum, no, never drummer, heard that story. Drummer couldn't keep time. Songs fell apart. Singers out of pitch equipment malfunctioning and i don't know if it was just a horror night for them but yeah it sounds um, like it. it was really uh it was so off-putting that um uh i i had i mean ben will tell you like you see a terrible live show it's just really hard to recover and stay but uh eight years removed from that bummer of an experience whatever it's been like probably 13 years now i went back to this record this week and it's just great and uh, it's fun as hell. And it's like 35 minutes. Like, it's just a wonderful, digestible, like, you put it on, you sing along, and it's over. This is You Owe Me an IOU from Elevator. Elevator by Hot Hot Heat. fun as hell all yeah. the way through yeah ben what do you think yeah so um i had this record and i really like this record here's what's a little weird about this group of bands um and I, basically this band reminds me of the strokes and it reminds me of the arctic monkeys like there's a whole bunch of of rock bands that come out in this time yeah oh you could put kaiser chiefs in there yep. and uh um franz ferdinand like there's yep. a whole like dozen of them in this yep. micro moment yeah and they did not stay with me yeah isn't that interesting maximo park is another one it was like i had this record and i was like damn this is really really good and it, it's i think maybe it's that they like these bands had a really hard time putting out three or four good records in a row right part of it's also that and maybe jeff will just disagree with this but part of it's for me is it's a little bit like jazz music in the 70s and 80s that sound like jazz music in the 60s oh, it's like they're not exactly breaking new ground you know what i mean it's a it's a it's a it's a pretty loving remix of a sound that i really really like and so when i first hear it i'm like wow i really like it but it's like a little bit of empty calories you know what i mean like i have not gone back and listened to a hot, hot heat record for a long time and i did listen to this record a bunch i recognized that song i quite liked them um, there's a couple of stroke songs that have stayed with me. I mean, Reptilia's fantastic. Um, but I don't know, this entire era of bands has just not stuck with me the way that I mean, maybe it's because I'm older, you know what I mean? Well, the first generation of it. Right. I was gonna ask, is it is it your maturation process rather than the fault of the band on some level? There is guess, something but, about I, no Ben's onto something like there's there's a little bit. I would argue of like aesthetics for aesthetics sake in this, in that like this list of 12 bands that we're talking about, you know, the one that has aged well for kids is Arctic monkeys. Like, Oh, dude, my, that first Arctic monkeys record is fantastic. And, and, and my, look great in the dance floor is still it's I, great. I'll listen to that anytime. 
And my my students in the rock band love the Arctic Monkeys. We're doing Are You Mine this year at the big show. They love uh-huh. that whole catalog. They, they really know a lot about that band. So like the Arctic Monkeys somehow, and I think it's because- You know what's weird though is their second and third, and I don't know how many records they have, they suck. That first Arctic Monkeys record, I think is off the hook good. And then the other ones just do not match it. They go slow and dirty. Like well, the not third good. one especially, but they they pick it back. AM's actually better than I thought. Oh, is it that was right? First I got yeah, it. I'll go back. But like, you know, there there is something about like if if what you have to offer is a sound instead of con, you know, like something to say or or you wanna you're you're growing, you know, like one of the problems is like the third strokes record sounds like the first strokes record. And yeah. the fourth strokes record sounds exactly like the third one. Like there's a, all of these bands are so committed to their initial sonic footprint that they do get, they start to be law of diminishing returns against one another. And that is not true of the bands they're imitating. Like there's a lot of similarities between the first police and fourth police records. And there's a lot that's different. Like they're trying different mm-hmm. stuff. There's really not a big difference between any of the Maximo Park records. And I like all of them taken separately, but it is like, I like two Oreos. I don't like eight Oreos. Oh, that's a great question. I think about that all the time. Like what's your Oreo cutoff? And I think it's two. I get to the third Oreo and I'm like, what am I doing with my life? (laughs) (laughs) Eight Oreos, nine. I think it depends on my level of general anxiety and depression. There have been times when the seventh Oreo seems necessary, but it's never a good, it's never a good decision. <laughs> well, I love this conversation because this is just really hitting uh, the album that I'm going to pick. And oh, I, I love I, it. I'm just so interested in what you guys are going to think and, and, and how this band was processing its moment, but I digress. Because, but I think that that yeah. first Arctic monkeys record and this record would be my two that I would pull from. Whoa, not one of the my, Strokes records? No, is this, is this It is pretty great too. Yeah. yeah. I think of that as funny. Like that's, that's you know, 2001 and it's um, it's pre 9-11. Like I think of but it as a slightly different But the thing that's weird about era. it is, I mean, I picked a Yeah, Yeah, Yes record. I don't consider them part of that genre. No. Nope. I extra do not consider TV on the radio. Like TV on the radio starts no, at no, the same different. time. But I mean, like that, that all of those records I can listen to backwards. I listen to their freaking demo tapes sometimes. Like, I just love. Wow. Them. So, Ben, you'll be happy to know young Patrick Plain, 15 years old, uh, came to me last week. He's like, have you ever heard of uh, TV on the radio? And you oh, were like, you don't listen to our podcast. And you grounded <laughs> him. No, he does not. <laughs> I guarantee you he does not. But I'm very excited for him uh, for coming up on TV on the radio somehow. All right, Ben, 2005, what do you got? The first thing I'm going to do is I'm going to ask Jeff to tell us what he knows about John Bryan, B-R-I-O-N. We've oh. mentioned him before, but I'm just going to have Jeff just go ahead and launch. He'll know better than I will. I'll let him no, say No, I don't know. Speech. Like John Bryan is a, is a Los Angeles scene story. He started a really important uh, kind of open mic slash invited special guest Tuesday nights at Largo, which is a little club in Los Angeles. And it very quickly became a place where some very incredibly talented singer-songwriters found each other on Tuesday nights to workshop material, to trade, to just be in community. Amy Mann is uh, like the whole second half of Amy Mann's career can be linked to the sounds that she heard at Largo. And then then she made a bunch of records with John Bryan, like that whole Magnolia soundtrack. Is this the Tuesday night music club of Cheryl Crow fame? It is not. It's a completely different bunch of of music. Although that is a damn fine group of musicians as well, that that Tuesday night music club. But um, and then he's um, he does a lot of soundtrack work, um, but he's also a singer songwriter in his own right. And the records are really um, they are the sign of a guy who has mastered a lot about uh, music. He, they are incredibly impeccably well recorded. They're well written. He's got a great voice. He's a remarkable arranger. That's what I got on John Bryan. So born December 11th, 1963 in New Jersey, suburban New Jersey. An American singer, songwriter, multi-instrumentalist, record producer, and composer. Here's his bands, the excerpts, the bats, a little band called Tilt Tuesday, you might have heard of. Yeah. And the Grays. Then he became an established session musician, producer, and film score composer. 
Here's his production credits. Of, of Montreal, Amy Mann, Eels, Fiona Apple, Elliot Smith, Robin Hitchcock, Rhett Miller, wow. The Crystal Method, which I assume I'm the only person who likes on this, this thing. The act I'm going to talk about next. Get Sky, busy, child. Sky <laughs> Ferreira and Mac Miller. I mean, wow. That's an amazing list of acts to have produced. His film scores include Hard Eight, Magnolia, Punch Drunk Love, Eternal Sunshine of the Sun, Spotless Mind, I Heart Huckabees. That's my favorite. I love the soundtrack to I Heart Lady Huckabees. Lady Bird. Wow. Like this dude is just been, like, and those are like all of those movies are fantastic and the music works great. Wow. Our guy, Kanye West, releases <laughs> the college dropout in 2004. If you've seen the, the, the documentaries, um, like everything with Kanye, it's too long and it's annoying and it's amazing. <laughs> um, like his desire to make it, he's just burning at it. By the time the college dropout comes out, he is among the most successful producers in rap music. And he could have just been Timbaland. Like it's a very good living to be the top rap producer. And he was that. Instead, he steers into a solo career. He puts out college dropout. That record's a big enough hit where he just goes ahead and cuts another record within one year. Again, similar to the conversation we just had, he could have just repeated it. He's already right. famous for taking soul samples and speeding them up. This like chip monkey sound that he gets on the college dropout. Instead, he goes for a completely different sound and he brings in John Bryan to co-produce the entire record. Huh. Like that guy sits in the studio with him all the way through it. Most famous and all of his work on the thing is arranging. Like this record is so dense and complex. I mean, there's like complex string parts. There's huge horn parts. Like this record is just packed, packed, packed all the way through. It's my favorite Kanye album. And it has arguably the best Kanye song, but it depends on my best and favorite. Okay. It's not the strongest album gate to gate all the way through. It goes through a pretty significant valley in the middle. Um, but it's got the highest high points. And also just as an announcement of his artistry to put out the first record and then just be like, you know what? I'm going to put out a record that sounds nothing, nothing like the first record. And I'm going to bring in a weird white guy like who nobody's heard of. Like, I'm not going to bring in a famous producer. He doesn't bring in Glenn Johns. He doesn't bring in someone people are like, oh, wow, good for Kanye. You know, like working with a Beatles producer. When, when Brian came in, there's this amazing interview with him. So funny. They're like, how did you get the gig with Kanye? He's like, I have no idea. And they're like, why did he choose you? And he was like, I produce records. And the way I describe them is popular music records that are unpopular. That's why I do Amy <laughs> Man until Tuesday. Like, <laughs> it's just why like, the, the, the connection and that, that Kanye's ear was so good that he heard this guy's records and was like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah that's the guy. And not just for one song. Like, I'm going to have this guy come in. He's going to do the entire record with me because that's what I want my record to sound like. Kanye's in this, like, huge explosive phase. Like, he's reading poetry. There's a bunch of reference to, to Nikki Giovanni on this record. Like, right. he's reading poetry. He's reading, he's listening to Dylan records. He's super into Portishead. Like, there's this oh. record, Portishead Live at the Roseland. Um, Portishead, is, Portishead is this, like, trip-hop act um and they have an actual live album that they put out in the roseland in new york where they've got the new york philharmonic backing up this trip hop act and it like i i would say it's fantastic i personally love it it's actually kind of a hard listen it's a super weird record it's like one of kanye's five favorite records he's like oh yeah that that was what i was doing i heard that string section and i was like how would i get that and that's why i brought in amy mann's producer to be the producer wow on this record um I love this record. It's a fantastic record. The first three songs on this record match any first three songs. Woo! Heard them say, Bold Touch statement. the Sky, Gold Digger. Those are the first three songs on this record. And then the last song is Gone. And then in between, you get some ups and downs along the way. Uh, among the ups is just the beautiful, heartbreaking, wrenching song, Hey Mama, that's just an ode to his mother, um, where there's a scene in the song. 
his mother's crying over a guy and and he's 10 years old and he's on the floor with his mom hugging her and they're crying and he says i will love you so much you'll never hurt again i'll buy you a car i'll buy you a mansion i'm going to take care of you and it tells you so much about kanye and then just the heartbreak of his mom dying like this is a guy who grew up with a single mom and he that's the single most important person in his life and i can just tell you um, having been in love many times, and maybe I'm just speaking for myself, but there's no version of love where you take away everybody else's pain. Like it's not possible. Like that was what he hoped to accomplish in his life. And right. he just set himself up where he could just never, ever accomplish that. One could argue that's what's driving him crazy. Yeah. Man. As we record this podcast. Oh, yeah. dude. And it's, it really hurts my feelings that we have to do this now where he's continuing through another one of his, his various meltdowns. Um, I actually listened to heard him say so many times in my life and I listened to it all week and I couldn't figure out where to start. Jeff, just start at the beginning. You heard him say, but you're going to have to go like a minute 15 to get through the end of the chorus. Done this song done. just tells you everything you need to know about Kanye. Late registration by Kanye West. West, West, uh, West. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Say, nothing's ever promised them all today From the shot, like Tim, it's a harder way So this is in the name of love, like robbers say Before you ask me to go get a job today Can I at least get a raise on the minimum wage? And I know the government administer AIDS So I guess we just pray like the ministers say Alu Akbar and throwing some hot cars The things we seen on the screen, it's not ours But these niggas from the hood, so these dreams not far Where I'm from, the dope boys is the rock stars But they can't cop cars without seeing cop cars i guess they want us all behind bars i know it uh, and i heard them say nothing's ever promised tomorrow today and i heard them say nothing's ever promised tomorrow today but we'll find a way seasons and anything that happened is for a reason and niggas gun clapping and keep the squeezing and grand keep praying and keep believing so first that piano part yeah like, that's brian and that's what kanye wanted to bring in like it's just a beautiful super tasty sample and that happens all over the record there's like the in touch the sky the ba -da -ba 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 -ba, like a 1970s horn part you got this beautiful piano part that's like like a, a like a tin pan alley piano part. Yeah. Um, and then it's Kanye who supplies the beats. And then the political consciousness of that verse, where I mean, and also you can see everything there. Like he's like, the government administers AIDS. You're like, he might be a crazy person. Like <laughs> yeah. right here yeah. in 2005, yeah. you're like, he might be a crazy person. <laughs> um, but uh, he's like, before you make me get a job, can we just get a, a raise on the minimum wage? Like, he's just got it all in there. And like his description of his early life, uh, this entire record is like that. It speaks to me. And this song in particular is just haunted. me. Like, heard him say is an all-time Kanye song. Couldn't love it anymore. Wow. Plus, you get the guy from Maroon 5 singing that lick wait so. that's the thing it's a it's a gospel is song it really and he gets adam levine to yep. sing it. it's really insane <laughs> that is awesome yeah. oh i didn't know that all right so you're putting the the first three songs on this album up against any first three songs yeah wow all right it you know we should get the, yeah we got to get the age-old podcast guys together for the first three songs argument speaking of those guys did you hear their latest episode no, where they argue where they argue that the Beatles free as a bird is their most impressive achievement. What? The, song, the one that came on the anthology that they recorded off of John Lennon's home demo. No, why? I, 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 I mean, I, you know, I love those guys, but I'm calling them out on our podcast because they have gone quite mad. Was like, that an I don't even think that was an age old question. That wasn't even a thought. Wait, what is free as a bird? Do I know that one? It's the it's remember when they put out the anthology discs in the mid 90s of all the outtakes and stuff. And there was one new song that the original Beatles had gotten back together and recorded over John's huh. demo okay. vocal and they wrote a new song together. That's how they sold all those 
really crappy sounding performances from the late 50s and early 60s that was anthology part one wow they argue in the show that it's their greatest achievement as a band that's great i love that and it's so just pick your corner you know what i mean there's nobody there that's good you own it that's it a hot take right there Woo. And all right something. Well, yeah i also want to get together with them and have a podcast about um kind of critical critical points like critical point what was the critical musical point of the 70s, of the 80s, of the 90s? Oh, nice. And, 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 you know, in terms of music, sure, but also we could interpret it in terms of ourselves. Like a song that moved us in a new direction. Uh, what would you pick for each decade? I think that'd be a fun podcast down the road. Well, we have Ben's answer right here. This, Woo! This, this record. Good stuff. Good stuff. All right. Well, I, uh, I'm going to get to my pick for the best album of 2005. Jeff Simons, you were in my life, of course, at 2000, in 2005. I'm driving uh, around Atlanta. I'm uh, about to cross 285, and Coldplay comes on the radio. And I say to you, I don't get Coldplay. And you say, well, it's four guys who like to make music. This is, this is you too. But, you know. 30 years later or 20 years later. And that kind of reframed everything for me because I thought the singer was whiny. I didn't like the sound. But when you frame them as this next generation's U2, I started to think differently about Coldplay. I don't know, though, if I'm a huge Coldplay fan. Yeah, fair and, enough. I don't know. They, I mean, I definitely am not. <laughs> okay, but they put out this album in 2005 called X and Y. Yeah. And, you know, there, there, there are times uh, when I'm with my students, uh, talking to them in class, and I very consciously uh, do not ask them what they like or what they don't like. I ask them where they are engaged. Oh, I like it. Where yeah. are you engaged with this poem? Where are you engaged with this text? What is engaging about it? And I find myself engaged by Coldplay, even though I don't always like them. Um, and, I, and I think to your point, it's four guys who like to make music and they're, I think they're trying their darndest. Oh, this is a band that tries really, really hard. I agree with that. And, and one might, could one might say sometimes they try too hard. Too I hard. agree with that. No question. This album, they have the same producer as the previous two albums and they had great success with the previous two albums. And they fire him after recording, I think it was 20 songs, because they don't like their sound. And then the, the, the record company's like, where's your album? And they're like, let us go out and try some. They start playing some of the songs live, and they like, they like how they're playing them live better than how they recorded them. So they're like, they're now they have to go back and re-record all these songs. And, and I think it's interesting they're... They're not Blur. They're oh, not no Oasis. Way. Radiohead is, you know, reaching the, you know, the apex of their powers at this time. I, I, I think it would be hard to be Coldplay uh, in 2005. Well, except for the fact that you're selling 20 million records and marrying Gwyneth Paltrow. I mean, there's, there are harder fates That's than the Coldplay. They do fate. have to cheer themselves up in that vault full of money. <laughs> <laughs> in the Scrooge oh, yeah. McDunk vault while they do the backstroke <laughs> yeah. in their gold sure. coins. Yeah. They're like, sure. it is hard to be cold play. You, you know what? Married. You know what? You know what color gold is? Yellow. <laughs> Which by the way, I like that song. But go um, I'm waiting. Let's let's play X and Y and then let's talk a little cold. Well, play I, I want to play uh fix you from the two-minute mark. See, did you hear how Ben was like, just started at the beginning. Like, I'm yeah, not gonna I'm not gonna ask a lot of the DJ. And we're also gonna, for educational purposes, play it a little bit longer. X and Y by Coldplay. Just watch you
Have either of you ever seen them live? Yes, I saw Coldplay live. What'd you think? I thought they were really good. In fact, um, I was ready to write that band off completely because they were starting to really annoy me. And then yeah. uh, I saw Chris Martin do a solo acoustic like 10 or 15 minutes and he was dynamite. Just Oh, cool. Just terrific guitar player and uh, rhythm guitar player and singer. And so like uh, they bought they bought my uh, forgiveness. I hate the last two or three Coldplay records a lot. They really okay. They've really gone off the the end for me, but I love still the second record. It's the a rush of blood to the head or something All like right. that. I love that record. That's I mean, I stuff. I love the sound of it. I like the way the drums sound. There's a whole bunch of really great songs that got famous, and a whole bunch of great songs that didn't get famous. So like, you can listen to it and not be annoyed. Like I've heard every song on this a million times. But, um, but we were talking earlier about bands um, not being able to kind of find a new sound or 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 having that sonic footprint that they go back to. Is see, they this band definitely went to a whole new sound. Searched, I just searched, I just happened to hate it. <laughs> yeah, know, like, right, right. That's on me, I guess. Like, I don't like where this band went at all, but they well, did go it, somewhere. It's like when Ben talked about uh, Eddie Van Halen. No, it's it's when he got lost in the keyboard section of, of yeah. his search, you know. So Ben, what do you think of their search? Yeah, so um, I really, really, really like some Coldplay songs. That's how yeah. I put it. Right. I do not like their entire catalog. They're not an all timer for me. But I went through and looked at it. These are my top one, two, three, five played um, songs, and I, I would stand by the any of these. Okay. First of all, Jeff, can you guess? Number one, 78 plays on my iTunes. I can't Ooh. even imagine. What is it? Scientists. Oh, nice. good for you. That I love that so one. That one is so pretty. Take it right back to the start. Oh, yeah. oh. questions oh. of science. Yeah, that's the one. Science <laughs> in progress. I'm like, oh, are we talking about science in progress? Yeah. Those Keep are talking about my favorite, favorite things. Not since Thomas Dolby have I been so excited about science. Okay. <laughs> I guess. How about number two? Clocks? Clocks is number four. Oh, okay. nice. That's on the same record. And that one-two punch on that record. I mean, yeah, they go back to back. Oh, is it yellow? Yellow is number three. Okay. And by the way, I can never listen to yellow without hearing the triumph, the insult comic dog. Oh, I know. That's so great. <laughs> what does he do? <laughs> Your song yellow reminds me of P. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. Then it goes, when you were you too, I liked you so much more. <laughs> yep. Yeah, I heard people. But Yellow was great. That song yeah. was freaking great. The people called them U4 when they first came out oh. right? as an insult. Oh, that's rough. And then um, there's two more. Well, right. I love In My Place. Is In My Place one of them? That's my wow. sneaky love. So one song. is, I've got two later ones. Ooh, I'm going to guess. Uh... All right. So Violet Hill. Yeah, that was gonna be my guess. Yes. Oh, with the piano, the Viva La Vida, cold, right? Cold December. Yeah, that's da, 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 yep. da, that's the best da, song da, on that record da, da. by a lot. Oh, that song is fantastic. Um, and then last but not least, Guns from oh. 2009. Oh yeah, that song's great. Is that the one that's like a 75 Minute seconds long? 45. Yeah, I cannot recommend it enough. Oh, um, cool, fantastic, so good. Yeah, and here's what great. I'll say about Scientists, Violet Hill, Yellow, and Clocks. Kids love it. I mean, my daughters, like, this is a rock act that I can play. For. As soon as I played sci The Scientists, they're like, oh, yeah, that's great. Put yeah, that on the yeah. mix. Like, yeah. well, I'll listen to that more. Like, yeah. this one really, really translates. Yep, he's right. Cool beans. Cool beans. I yeah, I mean, I, you know, I think it's probably, we're supposed to probably dunk on Coldplay, but I, I don't have it. I mean, whatever. I don't have I a mean, big uh, appetite to do that because they, like we, like we started, this band tries really hard. And yeah. when they get it right, they make really great songs. They don't make really great records but who does like you know oh dude there's only how like many bands have five great records. songs right 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 I mean, that, that's a lot you're pretty good yeah i agree with that and, and to make the call to be like you know i don't like where we're going let's keep trying and let's keep pushing it's definitely their their pop you know u2's pop like they finished it five minutes before they had to turn it into the record company and that record's not very good, but it's a band like so desperate to reinvent itself, they'll try anything. And and Coldplay's <laughs> at least got that. They've at least got aspirations. Yeah. And they've got that the being money said, there's a Coldplay just... chain smokers combo, which yeah. I won't recommend. I'm just no. gonna go ahead wow. and say, just don't listen to that. That that was the one we heard on the radio coming home from middle school today. And Flannery's like, 
I think this is Coldplay. And I'm like, I think you're right. However, there's, <laughs> there's a mix there. Um, yeah, I'm not, not a big fan of that song. All right. It's 940. Hey, that was a good, bad, that was a good episode. We were, we were on our yeah, game tonight. We have earned... I don't know if I'm allowed to give us five stars myself, but that was a good one. I was you know what? I think, I think our podcast is better than Ted Cruz's. I mean, I'm just gonna say that. <laughs> I know we shouldn't try to gloat, but By the way, what we there. really need to do is get Ted Cruz on here for 2006. Oh, I really want to know what his favorite song is. You know, Actually, that, I wish you knew the year that he went to Cancun. Maybe he's picked like a Mexican number. <laughs> I got to tell you, like, I think our chances of getting Ted Cruz on this podcast are not 0%. Oh, I my agree. God. Don't seriously that don't guy, not will that into existence. That I will not be on a podcast. Yeah. To guy. stir up shit, though. He loves it. He would yeah, love to do. get on here and well, just like, nope. Nope, nope, up. Nope. Yeah. All right. Well, maybe we should get another Ted Cruz. Let's just get a guy named Ted Cruz. There's <laughs> got to be. There, there are quite a few, I think. Now like, you're on to something. If Ted my Cruz, if thing you're about out Ted there, Cruz, give us a call. My favorite <laughs> thing about Ted Cruz is who likes him? But seriously. No. Like Craig even Mason. people who are political allies no. of him are like, I can't stand that fucking guy. Like yeah. I Craig despise Mason that is guy. Is a as a screenwriter, he's written a number of really great films, and uh, I follow his podcast. And um, he was roommates with Ted Cruz at. Prince oh, I've Prince. I've heard that guy interviewed, and it's I hilarious. Mean, he, so he, I work with the guy who went to high school with Ted Cruz and did a summer internship with him when they were both clerking for a texas really judge and i will not tell his stories for him but ted cruz's roots of being an unlikable dipshit go deep i was gonna say that ah poor guy um he did a lot he did a lot with almost nothing i gotta hand it to ted cruz like i mean just blessed with a punchable face and a repellent personality he has gone a long long way i'm very impressed and the good news is not as far as he wants though Let's that's just true. keep hoping that's true. Let's keep <laughs> hoping. All right, gentlemen. Thanks so much for tonight. Yeah. See you in 2006. Woohoo. Bye. Hey there, I'm DC. I host the Rock Podcast. Back to the arena, the interviews. It's about a 30-minute podcast where I talk one-on-one with a band who has released new music. You can find us on all the best podcast sites like Spotify, Apple, Google, iHeartRadio, and more. If you're a rock fan like me, subscribe today to Back to the Arena, the interview. Electric acid. Today is working for me. Do you believe that for yourself? Hey, I'm Pastor Julie, and I want to empower you through encouragement. Inviting you to my podcast, Big Truth Encouragement where I unpack living a faith-filled life. I created my podcast for the ladies, but gentlemen, you'll gain something too. So I invite you to listen to Big Truth Encouragement on ElectroCast and any platform where you listen to your podcast. ElectroCast. ElectroCast.